station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Good evening. Your host, Yusuf Fisher, this side the microphone with you once again until 12 o'clock, inshallah. I invite you to join me on a caravan into the night. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hartelijke goeienavond. Weer eens van die gastheer en vriend Yusuf Fischer. Die kan van die microfoon vanaf tot 12 uur vanavond, inshallah. Dit is maandagavond. Een lieflijke koude maandag. Ik hoop en vertrouw dat die warm is bij is. En die nou samen met mij die aan gaan deerbrengen met die karavaan. En die aand.
Monday evening and of course in the company of your favorite community radio station, the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and uh, on the Mondays of course when we have firstly our night surgery program and then uh, of course hospital time. Night surgery this evening, yes I won't have Professor Carla with me but I do have an ear, nose and throat specialist with us this evening. I'll introduce the lady after the ad break. That will take us until 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock we have the news and then after the news we will then have the hospital time when you can send your messages for those who are not well at home or in hospital till 11 o'clock and then from 11 till 12 it will be open lines where we take dedications and any other kind of message inshallah however for now we are in the night surgery slot so do not send any messages get one messages or birthday messages it's only for those people that would like to pose a question to our specialist and as I said this evening the specialist is an ear note and throat specialist ENT specialist so Canala no other questions where other illness and uh, other illness and ailments are concerned because the speciality is the ear the nose and the throat inshallah so you can uh, send us the question via whatsapp and the whatsapp number is 0829-913-913 or you can call the number is 021-442-3530 021-442-3530 We're going to take a break. We're back after this. As I said, this evening we have an ear, nose and throat specialist and the lady is Dr. Vanille Makayen. Doctor, good evening. Good evening to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the program this evening to talk to us about the ear, nose, and the throat. Now, let me start off by asking you, what does the ear, nose, and throat specialist actually do? Okay, hi. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me in the program. You're welcome. And good evening to listeners as well. Um, so... Broadly, ENT specialists are surgeons. I think that's mostly what best uh, apart from um, your normal family doctor or general practitioner because a lot of the conditions that we manage, um, we manage hand in hand with uh, general practitioners, but the, the added advantage that we bring into the picture obviously is right. the option of surgery where indicated. So mostly mm. ENT surgeons um, would manage problems with the ears, either because the ears are discharging, they have a chronic infection, or there's a problem with hearing loss. We also deal a lot with sinus problems, um, allergy problems as well, and now in the era of COVID, we've had quite a few patients that are having a problem with smell and taste um, challenges after the infection so that's also one of the things that we deal with um, also throat cancers and voice problems um, 
So yeah, maybe those those are some of the things that. Um, ENT surgeons. Yeah. Right. So, so, so what we are seeing is that uh, ENT actually has a broad spectrum. Yes, yes, right. definitely. And in fact, we, we also work a lot with uh, pediatricians because yeah. we, we manage quite a large number of the uh, pediatric population um, with regard to transelectomies and managing them with um, like things like acetatitis media where they may end up needing in the long term grommet session and right. um, kids with snoring as well so oh. yes right 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 now, uh, Doctor, we said that this evening we're first going to start off by uh, doc touching on the topic chronic otitis media. Tell us what is yeah. that? Oh, so what? Sorry, I say. So what is uh, the chronic otitis media? What exactly are we talking about? Okay, sure. Um, so it's just a bit of background as to why I actually started on this particular topic. Um, I trained in, in Durban. Hmm. Um, so the majority of the population there is fairly rural and so access to healthcare is a challenge. So we generally used to see a lot of patients that present to us with um, very advanced ear disease and mm. complications as a result of that, of that. So I thought I would just touch on it this evening, just mainly to raise awareness because it's quite a common problem. Um, so chronic access media is basically um, simply defined as a chronic change in the structures of the ear right. in the part of the ear that we call the middle ear. So that's mm. basically beyond the eardrum. So right. that area inside there with um, chronic changes, chronic being defined as anything that has been long-standing for more than three months. Right. And so generally what you find is that these patients will come in with a discharging ear, um, sometimes in the acute phase there may be a bit of pain but in your more long term disease there isn't generally pain and some hearing loss and sometimes there is a buzzing sound in the ear which we refer to as tinnitus hmm. and they may also report some imbalance and um, yes right, right, right now one thing need to ask the question where does this originate from? You know, this infection, uh, how do people mm. actually uh, get this infection? Yes. Okay, that's a very good question. So um, there is a number of theories which I'm not going to bore your listeners with, but um, to put it simply, it, mm. um, it starts off more like... Um, fluid in the ear and generally in children it's usually because of an upper respiratory tract infection and the, the connection between the ear and the nose which we call the station tube which actually helps to ventilate the ear and to make sure that there, there isn't any infection that is accumulating there mm. um, is, is, a bit, is not fully formed and it's, it's not fully functional so in most people it starts then, but generally the part where you start getting a defect in the eardrum in terms of having a perforation, a hole there, 
or having what we call cholesterol, which is keratin in, in, in the middle ear, mm. it, those kind of processes take place in, in the much older and the adult population. Mm. And we find that most of the time, the bacteria that infect the ear is actually the same as the bacteria that you would find infecting the upper respiratory tract when someone has a flu. So that's where those kind of theories have, have come from. Right. But there is also things like if, for instance, you may have sustained some trauma to the ear and then you ended up with a hole in the drum and that hole subsequently got infected because obviously the, the function, one of the functions of the drum is to protect it from the outside more contaminated sort of environment so right. once that barrier is breached hmm. then you it's very easy to sort of get bacteria inside there and then you start having infection right. um so the, the other common causative factor for it though not highly as uh, not as common as obviously just your common bacterial infections is hmm. that it may come as a complication of previous surgery Remember, I did mention earlier that in children, when they have this persistent fluid in the middle ear, mm. we may sometimes put in what is called grommets. And mm. basically, putting in a grommet um, involves cutting a small hole in a part of the eardrum and putting in a tube to help the ear ventilate. That is supposed to be physiologically with time, it's supposed to come out on its own and then the eardrum is supposed to heal. But in some patients, that doesn't happen. Right. So the tube falls off, but then the hole is persistent. And then with chronic infection, it just becomes bigger and bigger, and, and then it becomes a chronic problem. Oh, On the see. other hand, I mentioned briefly a more sort of um, complicated process is what is called cholesterol. So what happens is that Somehow, the skin on the outside of the ear, which is totally different from what is on the inside, finds itself on the inside, and then because it produces what is called keratin, which is basically protective when it is in the right place, but mm. once it has found its way to migrate into the ear, then it starts causing infection, it produces keratin, and it, it, the ear starts discharging, and the keratin is a big problem to try and deal with and it's basically one of the indications for ESH to try mm -hmm. and get rid of that keratin that is now found itself in the wrong place. Right, right. Doc, we need to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, also very interesting, when we talk about ear, nose and throat, uh, interesting to, to know that they are actually, they're working together, they intertwine. So we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about this after the break. And this evening I have with us um, ear, nose and throat specialist. That's uh, Dr. Vanille, uh, that's Dr. Manile Makaye. There you go. And the doctor practices at Melomet Mitchell's Plain. Telephone number there is 021-110-5950. That's 021 110 
0815-800-5950 if you'd like to make an appointment to see the doctor. Now, Doc, as I said about the, the ear, the nose, and the throat actually yes. being, uh, can one call it, almost attached. Just explain that to us. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's, it's actually quite impressive um, because in most of the problems that you end up with in the nose, you find that um, they end up affecting the ear most of the time. And um, also generally you find with patients with allergies, for instance, because the lining of the nose is exactly the same all the way down the throat, going all the way down to the chest, you find that most children that have asthma, they end up with allergy problems, they end up with blocked nose and also itchy eyes and that kind of thing. So generally, the pathogens that affect one area, we, we generally refer to it as the upper respiratory tract and the lower respiratory tract. You find that most of the allergens that affect one area will affect the other area as well. I referred earlier to the eustachian tube, for instance, which is which basically connects the back of the nose to the ear. And it is believed, I think most people become aware of the eustachian tube when they change altitude, when you're flying and suddenly there's that fullness in the ear. And then when you, when you pop, then it feels like now it's back to normal again, mm. you know? So that, that's just one example that most people are aware of, that mm. if your eustachian tube gets blocked for some reason, then you can end up with either fluid in the air or just that disturbance that feels like the air is full, even though there isn't really physically any water inside. Um, and the other thing that we see quite commonly as well is that in adults, when adults present with, um, for instance, in the community that is immunocompromised for any for any reason, it might be HIV associated or associated with diabetes or, or some form of cancer, when they have a growth in the back of the nose because they lymphoid tissue in the back of the nose, and in adults, generally it's supposed to regress, but in the presence of immunosuppressed that can the lymphoid tissue in the back of the nose can grow back. So most of the time because people think it's just a flu when your nose is blocked but as soon as the ear is blocked and suddenly you can't hear that's most of the time how those patients present. They come to the doctor with single-sided ear fullness and sometimes a bit of pain in the buzzing sound and the doctor looks in the back of the nose and they find this big mess that the patient was not aware of. Right. So yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for that explanation there, Doc. So uh, what I want to do, uh, I'm going to go to some of the questions that has been sent okay. to the studio. The very first okay. one reads, Assalamualaikum, good evening, Doctor. I'm a female, 69 years old and weighs 65. I recently developed vertigo and now it's uh, tinnitus as well. Yes. So that's, uh, uh, that's all I got. Okay. So she mentioned that she weighs 65 kg. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things that I'm missing there, but I'll try to just give her broadly a response. So. It would be important just to know, um, 
firstly the duration of these symptoms and whether they were associated with any drastic changes, for instance, in her weight, um, or if it was preceded with some ear infection, by some mm. ear infection, mm. or anything of that nature, because obviously drastic changes in weight, for instance, would lead to some sort of gestation tube dysfunction, which may end up giving her those kind of problems. But also with, um, in that age group, vertigo may also result as a more systemic sort of problem. Like if somebody has a problem with um, high core tension, for instance, right, they're right. getting up too quickly from uh, lying down position, they may become hypertensive and then they get a bit of dizziness. Hmm. And it's important sometimes also to make a distinction because that's actually quite a broad term. So with regards to a more ENT specific sort of technical, there is there's a, a specific definition to it and how the patient characterizes it, basically okay. give us an idea as to where we put that. As, for instance, does it last a few minutes? Does it last a few seconds? Does it last the whole day? So that basically gives us an idea of where All we right. can put that. So I would suggest that they, they go and see their family doctor mm. and then the family doctor will do an assessment. If there's anything obvious in the ear, then they can treat it. But if not, they can refer to an ENT and then we'll be able to assess it further and, and see how we can help them. All right. Uh, the next one says, uh, Doctor, good evening. Can you put breast milk in a baby's ear when they have earache? <laughs> okay, so I thank you for that. Um, I wouldn't really advise it. I know that um, it's what you call it an old wife's tale. Uh, one of those uh, home remedies that uh, our mothers came up with, you know. Uh, so uh, breast milk is, is, is quite sterile, actually. So, um, but I wouldn't advise that you use it in that manner because normally what happens in, in children is that I, I touched briefly on this earlier is that they get what is called acid or tight media which basically means that they accumulate some fluid in the ear either associated with an upper respiratory tract infection right. and yeah. also because specific to children their eustachian tube is still forming and mm. the angle in which it lies makes them quite prone to getting infection right. from right. the nose transmitted to the ear, resulting in fluid there. So generally, if, if the child is crying, pulling on the ear, they have a temperature, then in that case, the family doctor may prescribe the cause of antibiotics. Right. But right. what happens is even when that acute episode has been treated, the fluid in the ear can persist even up to three months. Right. So the difference is that that fluid is, is in in that common and say it's sterile, so it's not infective mm. anymore. The mm. child is not crying, they're not irritable, they're not pulling on the ear, but maybe you see a difference because when there's a noise, they're not as responsive as they were before. So you can tell that there might be something going on with the hearing, but generally we give it a bit of time and usually the body clears it on its own within two to three months. All right. But obviously if it persists and it's starting to affect the hearing, then the child may end up missing from it. Okay. But I, I wouldn't advise it. 
All right. Okay, I've, I've got quite a few more uh, for you, Doctor. So the next one is... Um, good evening. I have a very itchy and sticky ears. 69-year-old female, very careful not to scratch in ears. It's a very old problem. Please advise. Okay, sure. Um, so that is usually common in patients that have a dry skin problem. So patients that have eczema elsewhere in the body would generally have the same problem in their ears. So we normally advise that they, just to make sure that there's nothing more sinister going on, you can see her family doctor, but the main thing is to make sure that the ears are not, are neither too dry nor too wet, right? So she can just once a week from the pharmacy get um, something like olive oil eardrops and just put them in the ear just once a week to make sure that the ear is not too dry but it's not too wet either. And then she can use an antihistamine systemic antihistamine to try and help with the itching because like I'm saying that generally in patients who struggle with itching in the ears mm. it's more commonly because of a, a more systemic sort of eczema dry skin problem right. rather than something that is particular to the ear as such. Okay. Uh, good evening, Doctor. I am a 40-year-old female, weighs about 90 kilograms. I had ear infections two weeks ago, got antibiotic. After a few days, I went back to the doctor who gave me a stronger antibiotic. Then my breathing and I had a cough. Went for x-rays. Luckily, it wasn't pneumonia. Then it was my lungs collapsing. But since then, I can't smell and taste. And it's the third week already. Please advise. Okay. Thank you. Um, it's just a bit unfortunate that this patient doesn't mention whether at any point she was tested for COVID because hmm. um, it's just one of those things that we need to be aware of with right. that kind of symptoms. Right. Um, so generally with, with um, ear infection, we um, tend to start patients off with autotopical antibiotics, meaning eardrops that have an antibiotic in them, depending on how the patient presents. So if the patient presents with an ear that is actively discharging, then generally the, the treatment approach is to give them an antiseptic, which is um, usually acetic acid, an eardrop to dry off the pus, teach the patients how to do oral toilets to basically use cotton wool. We don't use um, cotton buds at all. So there is a way that um, a, a nurse or a family doctor can teach you how to make an ear wick and then you clean the ear and put in the eardrops. In about three days, the ear should be dry and then after that you start using the antibiotic eardrops. Um, so we tend to not use um, systemic antibiotics. By systemic, I mean antibiotics that you take through the mouth hmm. for just uh, an uncomplicated infection in the ear. So right. once you have complications, though, that's a totally different story, then your doctor may decide to give you the antibiotics that you're going to take through the mouth. But generally, we tend to start with topical antibiotics because they have been found to 
be a lot more sensitive to the bugs that generally right. grow in the ear, and right. also because you're applying the antibiotics directly to the source of the problem, it works a bit better because mm. most of the antibiotics that you take via the mouth may actually not even reach the ear in high enough concentrations to treat the problem. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, I think we may be dealing with two problems in this particular patient because I, I don't think that the other coughing and the lung problems were really related to the ear and I would, I would have loved to have a bit more information with regard to what's going on with her lungs and, right. and, and the loss of smell and the loss of taste and in fact quickly so the, the loss of smell generally is the, the, the cause of the loss of taste because right. they were they work closely together you need right. to be able to smell in hmm. order to taste hmm. um, and with with COVID um, now we have found that in most patients and and a lot of things with COVID are still under study, but in most patients within a week of having healed from the virus, generally the smell comes back. But in those right. patients where it doesn't, it can take anything from six months up to a year for them to get their smell back. Mm-hmm. And the, some colleagues have developed a kit, which we call um, an anosmia retraining kit. It mm-hmm. basically contains different smells to try and train the nerve of smell to recognize smells again. Um, right. But unfortunately at this stage, there is no pill that you can take mm. to try and make the process faster. So no. it's a matter of rehab almost. You start rehabilitating the nerve of smell no. to help it remember how to to recognize the different smells. Now, Doctor, just something you mentioned that it can take up to six months, almost a year. So, uh, while I'm asking that again, so people that um, recovered from COVID but still has this, they shouldn't be concerned. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So, it's not necessarily, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the infection all, all over again. That's However, what I'm asking you. I, yes, I need to just qualify that because it's a different um, sort of problem if the patient recovered fully and their smell and taste came back, hmm. but then they started experiencing the same symptoms again. Right. So in that case, it might be that they're getting the infect, they're reinfected with the virus sure. again, so sure. that virus is the case. But in somebody who had COVID, and they had a problem with their smell and taste and they recovered fully with other symptoms but the the smell and taste was still a problem Hmm. then in those patients i would say that because there there is a a concept now um of long COVID. so in some patients COVID like persists for months with regards to them not being able to breathe properly them being tired all the time and in some patients the smell and taste is consistently gone for for much longer than than usual okay thank you doc Uh, salam uh, good evening i am a 58 year old male i often have post nasal drip what can i do to remedy this problem okay so a, a post-nasal drip, basically, it's, it's almost like having a runny nose, but it's just dripping at the back, hmm. um, at the back of the nose. 
So in most patients, there, there are a few things. We, we obviously firstly need to try and establish why. Why is the patient having this kind of problem? Is it related to a chronic rhinosinusitis problem, which basically means that the, the, um, the main problem is with his sinuses. So we need to try and treat that to try and deal with the, the post-nasal drip. Um, but basically most um, patients, it, they tend to benefit quite a lot from just nasal douching. And nasal douching just means um, you rinse the nose with a balanced salt solution. They, they sell them over the counter in, in, in the big pharmaceutical mm-hmm. um, stores. They come with a kit. Okay. usually contains a 200 ml bottle that is marked and with some flashes inside of the, of the balanced salt solution. So you mix that, and in patients where it, it's quite acute, the nose is blocked, and they're sneezing a lot, you may even use it twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. But if it's just a problem with just the persistent post-nasal drip, the nose is not troubling you so much, then you can just use it in the evening. It, it comes with quite a nice um, uh, pamphlet with all the instructions as to how to use it, and you can get it over the counter. Right, right. So you, okay, yeah. yeah, so he yeah. can try that, and then yeah. um, obviously failing that, then he's welcome to come through and just consult, and then we can have a look and make All right. We're going to take another quick commercial break, Doc, and then when we come back, of course, still lots of questions for you. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thank you. All right. Dr. Vanille Makaya is our guest this evening and as I said, the doctor is an ear, nose and throat specialist and that practices at Melamed Mitchell's Plain. Telephone number to make an appointment 021-110-5956. Uh, no, 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 that's me start all over. 21 110 I repeat, 21 Double one zero five nine five zero, and that's to make an appointment to see the respected doctor. Uh, good evening. I hope you're all well. Yes, thank you. Shukrambia. When I was younger, I had a grommet fitted into my ear. I am a 42-year-old woman. I have a constant earache. My throat is always sore, and uh, my nose runs constantly. I have this every three to four months, keep on getting ear infection. When do I see the doctor? Uh, Yeah, when do I see the doctor? The doctor says it's a virtual infection because you don't see any other infection. When I touch my throat, the gland is swollen. Please advise. Okay, Um, thanks, thanks, that's Sounds a bit complicated, but um, so this this patient basically seems to be suffering from, um, in all likelihood, she might have an allergy problem, right? And because of it, it's it therefore it has affected her eustachian tube function with a previous grommet infection in childhood and the constant intermittent earache 
and also the throat and the runny nose, and she most likely also has um, a post-nasal drip. So I would um, advise that she sees her family doctor when she actually has these symptoms, because what happens sometimes is patients get those intermittent symptoms and they consult when they're not actually symptomatic sometimes and it makes it a bit difficult for the doctor to try and figure out what's going on because you most of the time in, in patients especially when their symptoms are, are seasonal hmm. um, you find that during some months of the year they're completely fine they have right. no symptoms at all and then suddenly when the seasons change then they start getting all of the symptoms. So right. my suggestion will be that she consults when she actually has the symptoms. And I, even though the, the grommet insertion is quite an important part of the history to consider, but I think uh, so many days later, I don't think that it may be related to that. It's just right. that because of it, it may give us a clue to say that she may still have some sort of gestation tube dysfunction problem oh, that good. we need to deal with. Alright. Uh, somebody just wanting your number again. The number. Unfortunately okay. this evening I'm not in the studio so I can't type it uh, on WhatsApp back to you. So you need to jot it down. The number is 021-110-5950 I repeat 21 110 Good evening, doctor. I suffer from headaches for years now. I only get a chance from the doctor's point of view to now only three months ago to go for a brain scan. Scan came out negative, alhamdulillah, but I still get the pains in the right side of my head and also having pain in my right ear. Also for months now, which affects the right side of my throat also and now making think that the ear is the problem to the headaches please advise and help what should i do please i really can't anymore the pain is sometimes very severe comes from someone by the name of zofa okay thank you so um a particular patient, I would I would like to just go back and see what 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 the CT scan reported because there there are some conditions that specifically affect the the nerves and um, also when you have the I don't want to use too much of the medical terms but right. when you have a bit of a longish bone on the, mm. on the base of the skull. And that particular bone is constantly irritating the nerve. It can give you this type of presentation where the patient feels like they have this constant pain in the throat, they shoot up to the ear, and then it gives them a headache. And right. there is also a concept of a referred pain. And most people um, relate to this when, when you make an example of when you have a toothache, and then you end up feeling like the ear is painful as well. But the primary problem is not actually the ear. The pain is coming from the tooth. So most of the time in these patients, it's the same concept that they end up feeling like the ear itself has a problem, but actually because of this long silo process, it's constantly irritating the nerve. 
And right. because that's the other very, very interesting thing about EMT is that the area that we work in is has a lot of nerves in it. So you have 12 cranial nerves generally in the body. Um, and most of them are concentrated in the head and neck area. So it's a small space, but it's very delicate, and there's a lot of things that are going on. So sometimes some of the pathology is not so obvious unless you do a specific test that specifically mm. look for it. Mm. So in, in a problem like this, we would work very closely with a neurologist because they can then look into options with regards to how we can co-manage this patient. But it, it can be quite an intractable sort of thing as a, as a result of that. Okay. Yeah, so I would perhaps suggest that the patient maybe goes back to their doctor and just request if they can maybe refer them to an EMT or maybe to a neurologist just to have a closer look at the All right. Good evening, Dr. Salam Tesov. Uh, shukran, thank you to you and the ENT doctor for the great program. You're welcome. My mom is 76 years old. She has been having issues with her ears for a number of years. She always has balance issues, always have a, a raining sound in her ear, always get headaches. She's had a number of serious falls because of the balance issues and dizziness. She always wants to stay in bed, but I'm worried and afraid that the lying down flat might make things worse. Is lying down for prolonged periods uh, making a vertigo worse? The government doctors just say there's nothing that can be done for vertigo, but what about the head pain that shoots up ahead? Could it be something more serious? Thank you. Okay, um, thank you. Um, that is um, the, in, there's, there's quite a few things that I would have loved to know a bit more with mm. regards to this particular problem. For instance, does she complain of any hearing loss or have they noticed that she sometimes ask them to speak a bit louder because in this age group there there is what is called age associated hearing loss Um, and because that particular type of hearing loss specifically affects the nerve it can um, just on its own end up giving the patients problems with their their balance and also with that ringing sound in the ear Um, but the associated headache is a bit of a concern for me because it, it, with that type of hearing loss, there shouldn't really be any pain in the ear mm. and there shouldn't be any headache. So right. we, we definitely need to have a closer look at what's going on there. He unfortunately also didn't give us a background as to whether um, his mom has any other chronic illnesses right. like right. or hypertension because those are some of the other things that can compound picture right. as well and right. with uncontrolled diabetes I mean um, hypertension for instance um, the patient can end up with headaches and also problems with balance so alright uh, yeah um, uh, good evening doctor my grandson is 12 years old just want to know if uh, there's a cure for him he gets car sickness he gets nauseous so will he outgrow it if he gets if he gets older the parents give him, or what can the parents give him before they go somewhere? Okay, 
Um, so this this is quite common um, in in this age group and into into early adulthood. Mm. Um, it's what you call motion sickness. It's got to do with just how the 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 body balances itself with regards to where it is in space. Right. So. Um, in most instances, we can try what is called vestibular suppression to basically, because there's a few things that, that tell your body, that tell your brain where your body is in space. For instance, right. if you're going to turn quickly, your brain already knows, and so you don't fall when you turn quickly. But what helps it to anticipate that is actually a connection between the inner ear and the brain. And so there's other muscles in the spine as well that contribute to that balance um, and also the, 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 a certain part of the brain that is specifically deals with proprioception, right? That sense of where you are in space. So generally in these patients that have motion sickness, it is related to the pathway that is connected to the ear that does not connect and communicate with the brain fast enough to say, okay, we are moving, right? Mm. So the brain is still in one state, but then suddenly the body is moving. So that is right. confusing and then it gives that sensation that they feel like vomiting. So right. we can try, but it needs to be prescribed by a doctor. Um, and since it's 12, it needs to be prescribed by either pediatrician or an ADMT to monitor his response to it. But there is definitely something that's called a vestibular suppression that we can try and see if it will make sense. All right. All right. Uh, so somebody's saying, yeah, they used to need to invite doctor to the studio, inshallah. Very informative. Well, it is very informative. Unfortunately, we need to be very careful now with COVID and, of course, with the lockdown and the levels, etc. So we can't just move around as we want to. But I will speak to doctor and maybe we can uh, have doctor back with us again very soon. Uh, Salam, Taysuf, and doctor. Good evening, doctor. Sorry, you were saying, doctor? Yes, yes, I was just appreciating the comments. Thanks. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Good evening, doctor. I had polyps in my ears. Oh, sorry for that. I had polyps in my nose growing to my yes. brain. I had the operation 10 years ago. Does it grow back? I'm a 60-year-old female. Okay, yes. Um, thank you. Thank you for that question. This is this is actually my question. So, in all of EMT, this, this is my niche where mm. we call this like the rhinology anterior star base. Right. Um, so, it would, it would depend on a few things. If mm. um, this um, particular uh, listener had this surgery for the first time in their 60s, so that then makes it unlikely that it will come back if they had it for the first time in the um, But that being said, the polyps are generally associated sometimes with um, just the irritation inside the nose. It, it's basically almost the same concept as if you get a skin allergy and then mm. suddenly you develop tight. 
Right. But that concept inside of the nose, because of the chronic irritation, you end up developing um, this polyps inside the nose. Right. So it generally depends on what the cause was. So in patients that have chronic sinus problems, who are asthmatic, who have aspirin sensitivity, most of the time, by the time they're six years old, they've had like five, ten surgeries in the nose for the for the polyps. Mm. Because the lining of their nose is that sensitive and it's that prone to developing this, this growth in five. But like I said before, that if it if it was for the first time and it was for a benign sort of cause, meaning it, it, it's a, a non cancerous cause, then unlikely that it will come back. But I right. need a bit more background as to the cause and the type of surgery that was done because those are all the contributing factors as to whether it will, right. will come back or not. Right. But right. most of the time, I would say at least 7 out of 10 times, polyps in the nose come back. All right. Yeah. Okay, on that note, Dr. Vanille, Mackay, it was wonderful having you in the series, sorry, on the program with me, but unfortunately, time caught up with us. Let me first say to you, well done, because I have so many more questions here, which shows that uh, the people, they were actually very happy with the way doctors handled their questions and so on, so well done to Doc. And with permission, I'm going to try and get Doc back very, very soon, even uh, if it's possible as soon as next week. But I'll I'll see what we can do. I'll get in touch with Doc and we'll arrange that. But for now, let let me first say, or let me just say that uh, Dr. Dr. Vanille Makaya is uh, ear, nose and throat specialist at Melomet Mitchell's Plain Hospital. Uh, telephone number to make an appointment is 021-110-5950. 021-110-5950. That's to make an appointment to see our respected ENT specialist, and that's, of course, Dr. Vanille Makayan. Doc, with that, it's time for me to greet all the very best thank and uh, thank you once again for thank being with for us this evening. You are so welcome. Thank you, thank you so much. You are so welcome and please keep safe till we speak again. Good evening. Thank you. Bye bye. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.